Welcome to the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine, CEO of PerformanceWorks International. This podcast is grounded in business, digital, workforce, and leadership transformation for our times. My aim is to initiate conversations with experts, leaders, professionals who've got a story to tell and who we can all learn from. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or simply go to performanceworks.global to access all the episodes to date. I'm sure you'll find something of interest. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine, CEO of PerformanceWorks International. Agile. What is it? Why is it so important? And how do we go about embracing it? And particularly, how do we go about embedding it into our culture, into the way that we do things in our organizations, rather than seeing it as some kind of technology component? Well, my guest today, Ravi Agarwal, is an amazing human-centered digitalist, agile champion, and transformation expert. He believes agile can be adopted with a strong human center, enabling work and collaboration on hitherto unseen scales across our increasingly digitalized working environments. Ravi believes this is fundamental to engaging, motivating, and supporting company culture evolution in parallel, the foundation for the new operating systems in many of our organizations. Let's hear more. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Rethink Leadership Podcast with my guest today, Ravi Agarwal. Thanks very much for joining me, Ravi. And perhaps I can start by asking you to introduce yourself, your passions for agile transformation, and what that means to company culture going forward. Jeremy, thank you for having me on your podcast. Super excited to be here. So I'm all about agile, and I've been working in an agile transformation environment for many years now within the financial services industry. So I've led engineering teams of several hundred and executed projects in agile uh, for many years now. Um, And so an agile transformation is really a cultural transformation. So my passion for culture change came out of Agile. Uh, And although we use Agile to create products, software products, it's far broader than a software technology role. It's really about the person and how do we organize ourselves in offices to create great, wonderful products our customers are going to love. Yeah, I see. And and I get what you say. It's born in born in software development. It is a culture change, though, at its heart. And I think those of us in Agile really get that because that human component is so important, particularly as things start to accept or not start, continue to accelerate. And that's maybe a great question to ask you particularly. Why are things speeding up? So this is I love this one because we often think that We need to do agile because things are speeding up. But let's just turn it completely around. Things are speeding up because we're doing agile. Okay, so think about tools. How do we use tools as a species? We've been using them for hundreds of thousands of years and they extend our reach. They make us stronger. They change our cognitive abilities. Uh, But you fast forward to today, the tool of choice is often software. Okay, now software is is something quite miraculous. It's only a few decades old. And it's no surprise 
that software is speeding up our world. Because in the old days, we had a machine to do one thing at a time. Okay, think about the industrial revolution. Think about steam engines. You build a gigantic object that takes months to design it and build it and prototype it. Uh, and then it will do one thing. It will grind your flour for you. It will run your weaving mills. But the computer is revolutionary, the programmable computer, because it's one machine, right? I've got one here we're using to speak on. But it does all kinds of different things via software. So I can change the operation of my machine simply via pressing a few keys on a keyboard. That's a revolution in how we run our economies, okay? So more and more of our economy is now running through software. It means we can change software quicker. So our economies and therefore our lives are speeding up. And so software is the, I've not looked at it that way, actually. And as you say it, software being only a few decades old. Yeah, I get that. And we just take it for granted, don't we, that it's there and I can do things so much quicker these days. I even remember, to your point, not so long ago, dialing up through the telephone line when the internet was first there and going in there is really quite slow. And then suddenly now that just seems like an age away and kind of history because things are speeded up and we're speeding up with it. It's absolutely right. And perhaps actually we need some definitions at this stage because there are so many myths and truths around what agile is and is not. So can you explain that for us and why so many organizations and executive leaders particularly are struggling to A, understand it and then to adopt it? Yeah, so I think Think of Agile, right, as, as significant as the Industrial Revolution. It's a huge change because software is so significant. And artificial intelligence, which is a type of software, is so different from how we've worked in the past. So Agile is not a magic wand to make companies go better, faster, cheaper. That's a big mistake companies can make. It requires a lot more engagement from everybody involved in developing it, right? So we are planning what we do together as a team, and that's very new. In the old industrial age, we would often have a, a layer of seniority that makes the plans, and then we hire in workers to execute. But in a software world, see, software is very creative, there's nothing predictable about it at all. When we write software, we have to be like creative visionaries. And so our software people need to be that way, right? So we all have to be a lot more engaged to write meaningful software. And like in any transformation revolution, there's a lot of pretense, right? I started my career in the dot-com bubble. And my boss at the time was saying to me, if you know how to spell WWW, you can double your salary over at that company. They're hiring like crazy. Because in, in any emerging new world, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and we can't tell fact from fiction a lot of the time. Right? So it's very easy to get agile wrong, just as it was very easy to get dot-com wrong. There's funding available, no questions asked because everybody's heard miracle stories. Um, so watch out for marketing pitch. 
But I, I think most of all, agile is a transformation from how things have been to how they will be in the future, right? And it's legacy industrial age companies that need to transform, not the new kids on the block. They can start off agile, right? So the fact that you're going through a corporate transformation of people and culture is what makes it so difficult, right? And we're talking about the value systems that are shared in the company, the behaviors that come out of the value systems, right? Not a technology change. Right. So that's a big reason why we underestimate the seriousness of an agile transformation, because it's value systems, right? Not technology. Yeah. Great points. I I love how you started that, actually. This agile is as significant as the industrial revolution, or it is a revolution in its own right. And that's maybe a great mindset uh, to, to have in place from how things have been to how things will be, as you so rightly say. And then as you ended there, it just struck me that this is what you were talking about is is exactly where, we're, where we started. This is all about culture, sure, surely. So how can agile transformation supercharge organizational culture transformation? So I get the point um, about about this being intensely cultural, being values, behaviors, those kinds of things. But obviously there can be the benefit the other way around. So I'd love to know what those benefits are, but I'd also love to know the cost of getting it wrong. Yeah, so an agile transformation is an organizational culture transformation. It's across a whole org. And it just so happens to be coming out of software, but it it needs to overwhelm the org in all different areas. So that's how we do finances, HR, testing, how we deal with customers. It's all amenable to agile ways of thinking. So a huge thing has to do with teams and collaborations between people, right? We often think we've got teams in our organizations, but how well do we work together, right? How well do we collaborate, especially if people have different specialities? So in Agile, we want a team of people who do different things or working together. And traditional organizations have teams that all do the same thing. And then you've got the manager of that team. And so I've got several managers running teams who all do similar functions together. Now I've got a single team with cross-functional. It's a very different way of organizing yourself. And people are not used to working with one another because they don't understand one another. You know, I've got a degree in computer science. You've got a degree in graphic design, but we're on the same team, right? I'm not used, I'm only used to working with computer scientists. So that's a huge cultural shift, getting collaboration between teams. Um, And secondly, I think value to customers is central to Agile. So we always say our businesses are here to serve our customers. But that's increasingly transparent in a software world and in an internet world. You know, if you you go back as early as the 1950s, a company would tell a customer what they wanted, and this is your option. And if you don't like it, you've got no way of communicating with other customers. (laughs) Nowadays, the software revolution means that all customers talk to all customers. So you have to be mercilessly customer-centric as a customer, as a, as a company, if you are to engage your customers. So how do we build bridges between people creating products and the end user customer, 
right? In a large organization, you've got layers and layers of information flow, right? And we know that when we share information, it gets lost and distorted and interpreted differently. So we can end up building products that our customers don't want, right? So how do I get better at having my engineering product developer types speak directly to customers so that nothing gets lost in translation? Okay, that's a huge culture shift. We have to coach people to learn how to do that. Um, and then another one is a funding model, right? So organizations, when things were slower, we would predict what we want to develop a year and a half in the future, get funding for it, and then execute a project to deliver that function. But that doesn't work in a speed up world because the world may have changed by the time we've got the funding and we start working on it. So instead of funding a project with a fixed result, we need to fund, we call it a product. Right? This is something a customer can relate to often. And it means I've got, an, I've got an amount of money for the next year to do interesting stuff to the product. But what exactly it is, I don't know a year in advance. I'm going to figure it out close to the time. It's a very agile way of thinking because it gives me the ability to change my mind at the last minute and I've still got funding. So these three things alone cut across a whole organization. And it's a mindset, it's a way of thinking, which is very different from industrial age um, companies. You know, that that really does for me then, because it, it, there's, a, there's a few things that really change from, a, like you say, from a mindset to action point of view here as well. The, the, the key points around teams and collaboration really having the customer at the heart of what you're doing in terms of value creation as well as value delivery. I love the way you put it, mercilessly customer-centric, absolutely right. Bridging products to customers, understanding that from both perspectives, having the funding model in place that's flexible so that you can change your mind, all of these radical ways of working. Getting that right, what are, what are the benefits, Ravi? And if, oh. if companies getting it wrong, what, what's the downsides? So orders of magnitude, more value delivered quicker. And, and, and a quick example I love is, is how the COVID vaccine was done so quickly. And not a lot of people have heard these stories. It's still very, very young. But they used an agile mindset to deliver a vaccine in around nine months. And the, the way they did it was cross-functional teams working together. In traditional vaccine development, you have to go through these gateways I develop the vaccine gateway, clinical trials gateway, get the regulator to test the clinical trials, that's a gateway, and then ramp up production of the vaccine, that's a gateway. This is 10 years later, we've got a vaccine, right? And you say, well, how did they do it in nine months? They did it all together. So they started ramping up the vaccine before, at the same time as starting clinical trials, at the same time as designing the vaccine, at the same time as getting the regulators involved. So we've got dramatically shortened timeframes for an equivalent quality product, according to one of the leads of this vaccine development, right? She spoke about it very beautifully in, in those terms. So, and you sort of see in this, in this process, we're removing uh, the concept of a gateway and a sign-off. You know, and in traditional project management, we, we often think of it in terms of a set of stages, but in Agile, we want to do everything at the same time. 
because we are very focused on our customer or in this case, our patient, right? If you're doing clinical trials, you're only really focused on getting the right results for your clinical trials. You don't care about ramp up of production, right? So the cross-functional team says, I care about the end result, which is vaccine in the arms, okay? So getting it wrong, you simply fall behind in terms of speed to customers because your competitors are getting a new product out quicker. There was a scramble for crypto in the last couple of years, right? So you're not if you're not executing your crypto offering in Agile, you're going to fall behind. Um, so you can lose your entire business or parts of your business, bankruptcy, uh, simply because customers go somewhere else. Um, and there's tremendous financial costs to getting a transformation like this wrong uh, because you put in a lot of effort, you change process and tools, you hire people. Um, but if you're, if you're simulating Agile, you're not really dealing with the value system change and the behavior change. You're just simulating some of the, some of the letters of the law. Uh, you're not really going to have the change you want. And it can take a while before you realize that. You know, you can change the language. Some companies do this. Uh, but then <laughs> nothing's really changed, but it sounds like it's changed because language is very powerful. A lot of people listen to language and think, oh, I'm using a different word. It's different. You know, I call it agile. It must be agile. Um, and then confidence reduces. Attrition rates might go up. Your best people leave. Uh, you have a reputation for not being very good at agile. People go to your competitor, right? Uh, so this is happening all the time in the world of salaried employees. Um, and then you can end up with some of the very worst behaviors as well of, of traditional project management. So, for example, instead of having a nine-month, 12-month project, we have a one-month project. So it looks like you're agile because you're doing something quickly. But within that one month, nothing's changed. You've got all the worst of the old style of project management. The funding model's the same. You've defined what you're going to produce in advance. You're not really talking to your customers, so you don't even know if customers want it. And now you've got to get everything done within a month, which is just a few days. <laughs> Right. Very different way of working from actual agile, but superficially it might look like agile. Um, so there's an awful lot that can go wrong in a transformation more than can go right, I would say. Yes. And listening to what you're saying there, Ravi, it comes down to one word for me, which is speed or maybe two words, appropriate speed, <laughs> uh, yes. having the things in place so that you can actually go quicker. The vaccine example is a brilliant example of that to show how that if you're not quick enough and not willing to change the way that you're doing things, then you're going to fall behind and you're not going to be in there. And it's a great point about uh, the reputation that you raise because reputation management is one of those competitive plays right now which is as important for employees or prospective employees as it is for customers and it is for where you're going as a, an organization and uh, and the reputation you have in this fast-paced world so presumably then in order to get this right the right conditions need to be in place to make this thrive in an organization. So what has to be in place at the company level and the executive leader level to implement agile transformation, culture evolution, and then make agile working the way we do things around here, you know, particularly around knowledge, skills, and behaviors. Yeah, no, it's a great question. So agile is a cross organization. So it's at all levels. 
So the very senior executives need to be learning about Agile as well. It's, it's that important. So it's not something that you do down at the junior level where you create the product and nothing changes at the senior level. So we need to have the expectation that it's going to take time and engagement to learn at senior levels. And there's coaching available within the Agile community for senior levels. And there's an awful lot available for more junior levels as well. So we have to do all at the same time, right? If you start with one, but not the other, you can't move. Okay, so particularly from leaders, middle managers, upper managers, you need to have much more of a coaching style for the teams, right? We're going from a, we, we call it a command and control environment. It's, it's, it's when a team leader tells people what to do because he or she knows best. But we, we're moving away from that model of management to a coaching style, where I'm trying to give you a direction to go in with the product, but I need you to figure out the amount of resource you need, how much time it's going to take, and then be willing to try it out and let me know, is it working or not? That's a very different way of running a project from defining a year and a half in advance how it's going to work. And that coaching style, it might mean that your leaders understand what what your teams at the ground levels do because they themselves are skilled in that from many years ago and they're able to have those conversations. Or it could just mean that they're skilled in coaching even if they don't have the exact technical skills and so they're able to elicit the best out of people. So you want to wake up people's creativity and passion in the teams and that's a, that's a very different form of leadership. Um, so... Um, sometimes we, we used to talk about things like best practices, right? What's the best practice? But the concept of a best practice in Agile is meaningless, right? Because best means it doesn't get any better. <laughs> and also best means, well, according to who? According to some other company, some other team? In Agile, we don't know what's going to be the best. We have to experiment to find out. Right. So that experimental mindset says, can I come up with a good practice for today? Right. Three months later, maybe I've grown out of that good practice. I've developed and evolved into something better. And a different team is in a different place with different constraints in the same company. You sit next door to each other, but you've got different people and histories. So their good practices may be quite different. And this goes to my point about higher levels of engagement from everybody. A lot of us don't want to have to think that hard, that deeply, ongoingly. How do I improve and get better? Because we're just not used to it. So it's a very different way of working. Finally, then you want to have models of reward, performance management in place. Okay, so these are HR models. How do we, I mean, how do we promote an agile person? How do we know if one is better than another? Because in all organizations, there is value. And some employees add more value than others, and we need to compensate fairly. But the measure of value looks very different in Agile. And it's some of the things I've been speaking about. How well can you elicit the brilliance of your team versus how well do you insist that your team follows the command and control orders, right? Very different way of assessing performance. Wow. I, I have to go back to... To this best practices meaningless gosh i'm guilty as anybody <laughs> using that i have to say uh, 
um maybe i should start using next practices or ongoing practices or something i'm not not quite not quite sure what uh anymore wow um great food for thought in that and very much actually in of the age because even in leadership and management terms we're talking about experimentation performance support rather than performance management and more coaching led mindset all of this links beautifully to agile and agile ways of working and the higher levels of engagement that that you're talking about there um and also a very very important point that you raise is the fact that hr models need to adapt for agile and uh we need to catch people doing it right what are the the, the right. what's the recognition and reward for doing it is that did i interpret that correctly yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, I just finished reading a book on the inner CEO. Thanks again for giving me a coffee. And, and what you're really saying is that I want everybody to be a leader, right, at every level. And, and, and that ties right into Agile, because many of us don't think of ourselves as running a company. <laughs> it's them over there, that executive, they're running the company. But actually, every single one of us is running the company based on every decision we make. It's a collective effort so to be able to think more entrepreneurially at every level that creativity what works for us am i in touch with my customer why would they buy anything from us in the first place we need that mindset in everybody right it's a profound shift we certainly do and i do appreciate the mention uh, for the book as well but of course i believe in this too we're we're talking the same language here and it, it dovetails beautifully um into the principles i'm talking about but also what you're what you're driving here around agile transformation and maybe to end here and to close this conversation ravi maybe i go back to the beginning and just ask you a supplementary question to just again just define what is agile just define agile simply for me and then what are the first steps organizations and individuals could take to adopt it and to start adopt or start adopting it So Agile is really, I'm changing something quickly and flexibly, responding to the world around me. And it's within the business context right now. So it's my economic models. Can I change them to give a customer something different quicker? But it's even bigger than that. We've got people trying to take Agile into your personal life as well. Um, so it's a huge shift in as equivalent as the industrial revolution in the 18th century that started in Britain with, with the move from agriculture to cities and industrialized production. The world is moving to software and more of our economies will, will happen through software. Even a, even a Tesla car is a software machine these days, you know, and, and the spaceship that docks with the International Space Station is all software drives itself to space that's software so that's what agile is it's part of a huge historically significant transformation now you want to get going at it with your company let's assume you're a legacy company that wants to transform find small opportunities to experiment with it in your organization think like a scientist okay agile is a set of values and principles to be interpreted not a set of uh, dictates to follow to the letter. Um, we have to be very transparent about where we're at. Um, 
there is this thing, there is such a thing as too much positivity and not enough <laughs> calling out the, the, the things that aren't working. So uh, don't use double speak in your organization to talk about how brilliant things are if they're not. If you're an industrial age company, your biggest threat is going bankrupt, not you know whether or not you're good at agile. <laughs> you need to be able to speak about where you're at very freely. Um, and then to do these things, we, we were talking about a coaching and a training effort. So I'm a big believer in the human skills, the durable skills, empathy, right? If I'm going to work together across different types of teams, different backgrounds, different skill sets, I need to understand another person who's different from me in order to work with them. Empathy is a skill we can develop. Um, emotional intelligence and the wisdom that comes from that is another skill to develop in an agile organization, right? So how good a decision maker I am is often affected by how clearly I understand what I'm feeling right now, because strong emotions distort our decision-making abilities, right? And an expression of wisdom is to be able to withstand strong emotions and still make good decisions because you're used to it, <laughs> right? Um, uh, critical thinking is the other one I like to speak about because in these, in these complex, uncertain, volatile times, driven by software and so much more, the way forwards is ambiguous. And so how do you deal with an ambiguous environment? Critical thinking is a skill set to do this. It gives us the ability to list out the different types of ambiguity and speak about them with your teams and with your colleagues so that we don't cover up an ambiguity with an assumption and make an awful mistake. You know, history, recent history is littered with great examples of companies who, who couldn't deal with ambiguity and went bankrupt, right? And, and, and there's a lack of agile thinking. The mindset is that, I already know what customers want. I don't need to communicate with them. Blockbuster going bankrupt to Netflix is a brilliant example because Netflix tried to sell themselves to Blockbuster and Blockbuster refused to buy the nascent Netflix company, right? Because they couldn't see the software and this new model was going to take over. They'd invested so much in their business model, they weren't ready to change, right? So, that's, so, so we need better critical thinking to do that. Um, and then keep in mind it's a people business, right? So Agile is a people transformation business. Uh, transformational change in a person is very hard, right? We can change the behaviors to begin with, and that's what we want to do. And then the values, I hope, come along later. But value systems take years, months, or longer to change. And sometimes they never do for some people. So we have to keep in mind, no matter what technology we've implemented, I need to bring all the people with me as well. And some are going to be further ahead. Some are going to be laggards. Some are even going to be anti, right? Like the Luddites, and they'll never want to change. So we have to keep all of this in mind as well and try and find ways to coach and bring people along for the transformation. Fantastic. And I can't get out of my head now, Ravi, that I've got to start thinking like a scientist. Uh, what a great soundbite for me to take away that I've been mulling that over as you've been speaking as well. Um, and and also when you when you're going into those into those 
things that need to be in place. It's very interesting because I did a piece of research last year called the Enlightened Leader, which are what are the traits, the leadership traits that are going to make the biggest difference for organizations, customers and people going forward. Empathy and EQ were in the top three. Hey, good. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Right. So that's uh, that 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 reinforces it yet again. You know, we've undersold these skills. I don't even know why. It's crazy. The the ability to make better decisions is what's going to separate the winners from the losers. You know, Daniel Kahneman's done a ton of work on this, cognitive biases and whatnot. And, And he says, do you ever think about a company as a decision factory? An organization for making decisions. Forget about aerospace or you know, consumer goods. <laughs> my job in my company is to make decisions within the context of aerospace, right? And our ability to make decisions is all about these soft skills to make better decisions because our decision-making abilities in general are appalling. When you start going through why we make bad decisions and we don't even know we're doing it, that's how badly we are biased cognitively. And Daniel Kahneman obviously won the Nobel Prize for this work, and he continues to take the work forward. So, you know, the computers are not going to solve these problems for us because when we build algorithms, we build our biases into them. Yeah, you know, and it does strike me, Ravi, that we should stop, therefore, and I say this a lot, we should stop, therefore, talking about these skills as soft skills. They're not soft skills. These are the hard power skills yeah. that will take the organization forward with others would you agree these are the top skills yeah these are the future skills and these are the skills that last a lifetime uh you know i'm a techie languages come and go platforms come and go and after a while actually they're all very similar but they're also very different so you have to learn the new one but emotional intelligence is a lifetime skill and you can only get better and better at it for the rest of your life it's not something you'll ever get you'll have a master. That's that's very true. And, and that is all about continuous lifelong learning, no matter what level you are in the organization, we can all learn more. It's been such a thought provoking discussion, Ravi, thank you very much for joining me. And I'm sure many of those tuning in would love to continue the discussion. So how did they get in touch with you and connect with you? Oh, I'm a huge networker. You know, I've got friends in the agile world all around the world especially in singapore and southeast asia uh, get in touch with me on on linkedin yes we, we can put my, my my link there and that's the best way um but agile is a community it's it's kind of a, a bit like open source software we're always sharing ideas and in the end we're not really giving away ideas because we sort of already know the ideas uh the challenge is in the implementation Great. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Ravi Agarwal. It's been a great discussion. I've learned so much and we've got so much out of it. And particularly that Agile really is the new industrial revolution. And I'd like to thank you for taking the time for explaining that so eloquently for us all with those great examples. Have a great day. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, Love talking. Let's, Let's do it again soon. Thank you. Goodbye, Ravi. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rethink Leadership Podcast with me, Jeremy Blaine. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel or simply go to performanceworks.global to access all the episodes to date. 
We'll see you next time.